back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on. On this uh, snowy Tuesday. Snow continues to fly. It's only supposed to get worse throughout the day and then culminate uh, late overnight tonight. And then we start digging out tomorrow and uh, get back to norm. I guess there's more snow in the forecast, like flurries and such, coming up over the weekend, over the next few days. So, uh, Winter has made itself known. We've been waiting for it for a long time, and now we're sitting here on the 9th of January, uh, and which we didn't really get much of anything in the month of December, that's for sure. But uh, now, boy, uh, you got a lot coming down. We're getting it all at once, I guess. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if there's more to come. Uh, hey, I you know we get uh, we get a chance to travel a couple of times, get to head out to Vegas for Super Bowl and probably spring training and such this year. So I don't mind bring it. But then again, we have those really weird winters where you don't get much in December, and next thing you know, June. It's not till the third week of June until it finally starts to get warm enough to actually go out without a jacket. So uh, it becomes a really long you know drudgery when it comes to the uh, the winter months and uh, coming out into spring and summer. So knock on wood that this. Uh, we get through this, everybody's happy, we get a little toast of winter, and then I'm, I'm ready for 85 and sunny again. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, 877-867-1670. So, Mike Vrabel, the Tennessee Titans, they have parted ways. Vrabel gets fired today. Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the uh, New York Giants, expected to, to hand in his resignation today. Him and uh, Dable did not get along. The relationship was tenuous at best throughout the season. It got worse as the season went on. So he's expected to get out of there. They fired some defensive staff. They fired their special teams coordinator. So there's a lot of guys that are starting to look for job uh, jobs today and yesterday via Black Monday in the NFL. So what are all the jobs that are open right now? Let's go through this real quick, Grant. So the traditional wide-open job openings are the Panthers, the Commanders, the Falcons, the Titans now, and the Chargers. The Raiders kind of have an opening. And we're unsure right. what the Bears and the Patriots are going to do. But right now we have five honest-to-goodness openings. Chargers, Titans, Falcons, Commanders, Panthers. So I know that there – what is the most attractive job out there? Is it the Chargers? I guess. They're the only one with a, with a bona fide quarterback. Panthers have Bryce Car- Young. Commanders yeah, don't really have anyone. Say, so I guess I Chargers say, by nature of the quarterback. You, you don't have, you know, the, the commander's job, you are you are being hired to be fired. You are there as a reclamation coach to try to put that organization back together. Because that thing, uh, and, and you've got a new owner now, so it's not Daniel Snyder anymore. So you've got a new owner who's coming, and he's even going, uh, you know, to talk about again, about going back and changing the name again. Uh, is that a foregone conclusion? Are they getting rid of the term commanders? I haven't seen anything about that, so I guess I, I was not aware. I didn't know. Uh, I had heard that that was something that they were considering and that the term commanders was going to – they were going back to, like, old-school baseball and go with the senators or something like that. I mean, they were talking about all kinds of different changes that could possibly take place. So I don't know if that's something that's official or it's just something that was rumored, but – uh, well, anyway, that being said, they uh, that that's a job where you're just trying to put an organization back together. That thing has just been – it's been run aground, it's been left abandoned, and it's an old ship that's sitting there getting battered and beaten by the waves, and it's all rusty and nasty. And that field, that FedEx field, is now 
for as new as it was, it was a tweener field. It's now a dump. And that's another issue that they've got to deal with. And when I call it a tweener, it's kind of like the new Comiskey. You know, Comiskey came about when they were starting to build some of these new stadiums, but they didn't really do it right. They just built another stadium. Whereas like, um, <laughs> you know, Camden Yards, they brought back the, the old red brick style of old school baseball that gave you that, that close, cozy feel. Uh, the Jake, when the Jake was built, it's now Progressive Field where, where Cleveland resides. When they started building these more intimate ballparks, Comiskey was one of the first that was rebuilt, and they just built another stadium. They tried to make it a little more homey and add more suites and amenities, but it, it's nowhere near what a lot of these new ballparks are. FedEx Field's kind of that tweener field. It was one of the first of the new lot, and being first isn't always the best because, like, Jerry World, I remember when Jerry Jones was building Jerry World, um, and the Packers played, the year before that, the Packers played the Dallas Cowboys in uh, at Lambeau. And I remember Jerry coming through. Now, that was back when I worked with uh, Brian Noble doing the postgame show, and Jerry came in and talked to us. He sat down and talked with us for a couple of minutes about what we needed to do our job better. Uh, it, which was a, an astounding conversation because you would have figured he would have gone to his own media members, but he wanted to know what incoming media needed, what we liked, what we didn't like. And he took ideas from everybody and then built that, that incredible structure of AT&T stadium. Um, so yeah, that's that, that job going into Washington is kind of a nightmarish job where on the other hand, if you're the head coach with Justin Herbert and you got the chargers, you got SoFi Stadium. You're moving into a great situation, even though you're kind of the bastard stepchild as the, the rentee uh, or the renter out there in uh, L.A., but that's a pretty prime spot. The pr- other prime spot is that new stadium, that giant Roomba they built in Vegas that houses the uh, the Raiders. That's an incredible job. An incredible. Now, they still, though, also need a quarterback because having six does not mean you have one. And they got a bunch. They got a bunch. And none of them are great. And I guess you've got the outspoken Devontae Adams, but who knows what's going to happen in the offseason there. But they they really started playing, quote, Raiders football when Antonio Pierce took over. And the guys there love him, and they want him to stay because most of the guys that are there grew up as either Raiders fans or like the Raider mystique, and they want to be the smash mouth, punch you in the face, get down and dirty nasty football team again that they used to be and I, I don't I don't know if he's gonna keep his job. I mean if Harbaugh decides to come back to the National Football League, Mark Davis would, would go way out on a limb to get him. But remember Mark Davis is paying God, how much is he paying in salary between cause he owes Gruden over a, you know, what was it, a does ten million a year he owed Gruden? For 10 years, it was a $100 million contract. He yeah, still was a, owes Gruden. That was a 10-year deal, I think, yeah. Yeah. He owns Gruden. He owes or owes Gruden, and he, now he owes McDaniel. And there was already some talks of money issues out there. I don't know how much more he can go out and say, hey, Jim Harbaugh, I'll pull you away from Michigan. But, oh, by the way, I can't really pay you. you know. So he's going to have to go way out on a limb to get Harbaugh there. But what's – other than – Say the uh, the Chargers job. What are the more what is Tennessee attractive? I don't think so. 
Um, unless you want to live in Nashville, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Tennessee's an attractive job. The better jobs to me are the Chargers and the Falcons, and maybe the Commanders. But there's, there's like a and but with even the right. better jobs, like the Chargers. You got a quarterback, but the money is tricky. Your wide receivers are aging, and it's a cursed franchise that's second rate in its own city. So yeah, yeah the quarterback's there, but there are some other questions. the The Falcons are a quarterback away which can either be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. And speaking of the stadiums, Mercedes-Benz Stadium down there is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. so I, there's no lack of there. money and attention to the team. The Commanders is interesting because but maybe, just maybe, Josh Harris is a great owner. We don't know much about him. Maybe he's ready this offseason to really commit and say, we're going to begin rebuilding the brand. I'm going to spend money here, here, and here. Like Maybe a head coaching candidate sits down with Washington ownership and is blown away at their plans on what they're going to do, and they want to make this head coach the next face of of the new era of Commander football. I, I don't know. Maybe that could be a good job, but as a bummy stadium, like you said. But yeah. I'm, I am sure that the Panthers' job stinks, and the Titans' job is mostly unappealing. The other ones are all interesting for their own reasons, I think. Right. The uh, And then you got to want If by chance, let's just say the Chargers are sitting there and they're going to have two head coaches very serious about looking at their – their product because of their young quarterback. And you have two guys that are interested in the job, one of them being Bill Belichick, who was subsequently fired from uh, the New England Patriots, or Jim Harbaugh. Who are you going to take? I would I, – I know this is gonna, probably going to shock people. I'd probably take Harbaugh. He's younger. He's had success everywhere he's gone. He does work well with young quarterbacks and developing them. And Belichick, the Belichick, the only knock on Belichick is he's 71. He's 71 years old. And Belichick's, you know, some guys look at him like, well, you're just chasing a record. Which is true. There's nothing wrong with that. But some guys feel like maybe it's disingenuous. You're not really here to coach and you're not really here to be a part of a championship team. You're just here to get your record and then get the hell out. Because you're on more on the cusp with one out, one foot out the door than both feet on the ground here, firmly planted with us in a charge forward. Will you be surprised if we make it through this off season and Matt Eberflus is still coach of the Bears? No, no, because of the way they perform down the stretch. Uh, boy, there's a lot of talk about the Bears too. I I don't know who the former Bears player was. Uh, he was on one of the Bears local shows down in Chicago. I, I just ran across it on uh, when I was scrolling social media. And he said, I know I'm going to piss a lot of Bears fans off, but he said, I want that guy, meaning Jordan Love. He said, I want a guy like that. I don't yeah. want a guy that can scramble. I don't want a guy that's raw. I don't want a guy that's a one-read quarterback. I don't want a guy that can do it with his legs because as soon as his legs are gone, we're back to trying to find another quarterback. I want a guy that knows where to put the ball, how to throw the ball, how to decipher the defenses. I mean, he went on and on and on. And he said, and the Bears don't have that. He said, I like Justin Fields. He's a good guy on it. But he said, Bears fans are going to be mad at me. That's fine. But this is what I want. It was Alex Brown, I guess. Chris says it was Alex Brown who, who said that. Uh, I just saw it, uh, it was, I think it was yesterday, when I was watching the uh, championship game last night. I was scrolling some social media, and I saw that. I... And he, that's what he said. He said, look, we got to move on. We got, we, got a, we got a chance to advance. We got a chance to move up, and we got to take that chance. And he also said, like, look, where they are right now, it's just it's not good. And he talked about, you know, upgrading the head coaching position. But but there, if they change, the only way they change is if they believe Harbaugh is coming there. 
And I think that's the that's the the thing where like today would be the day where, you know, Harbaugh's getting back, he's getting ready to celebrate, and then I'm sure there's going to be a couple of phone calls made to his agent to say, hey, look, how serious would he be about coming back? And if he's serious, then it might be just like the Craig Council hiring. It may be very quiet. They may go strike a deal with with Harbaugh before anybody even knows about it, and then all of a sudden make the announcement that Eberflus is out. So that makes all the sense in the world. I think they should approach Harbaugh if he becomes available. Um, they should at least offer to pay him a lot of money. I don't know where they are with cash because they fired Nagy early and they'd be firing Eberflus, right. I think, with two years left on his deal. But I, I just I was listening to Parkins and Spiegel yesterday afternoon. We had Danny Parkins on uh, last Thursday or Friday, and he made a really good point. It's something I've talked about on my show. It's like they had John Fox. John Fox coached Trubisky for a year, and then they fired him. And then they brought in Matt Nagy, who finished out Trubisky, and then Matt Nagy had fields for a year. And then they fired mm-hmm. Nagy, and the same thing could happen. What if they draft Caleb Williams, and they realize, oh, Eberflus isn't a guy, and now their next rookie quarterback is losing his coach and probably his offensive right. system just a year in. It's it's this bad cycle the Bears are in. So even if Eberflus is an okay coach, I, I think he's fine. Wouldn't you want to start new if you're drafting your new quarterback? I, I just yep. don't get it. Yep. No, I 100% agree. I I... And and that's part of the reason that we love Chicago not to change because they have been basically running fast and quicksand and they're not getting anywhere, which is fine. We, we all love that. But I 100% agree. And, and again, it goes back to if you're going to bring in Harbaugh and you think you got a legitimate shot and you can pay him a ton of money to come in there and, and resurrect that team, I'd do that in a heartbeat. I'd say Caleb Williams is the guy. And Harbaugh is the guy, and I'm blowing out Justin Fields. I'm going to trade him away. I'm going to get some additional draft picks for him and then take those draft picks and stockpile. Because they do have some talent. Some guys are starting to play better. And then just say to Jim, take a look at the organization. What do you believe we need? Blah, 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 and then go from there. And then also Harbaugh is going to bring in his own group of guys. But here's the other note, and this is from from Arthur. Arthur says, how ironic is it that both guys that Aaron Rodgers loved – are both garbage. They're hot garbage. They're ready to be thrown to the curb. He's talking about Getze and Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, Getze, down there in Chicago, they just don't feel like he's the guy. And they wanted to see Nathaniel Hackett, and they were even calling for Robert Salah's job. A lot of people saying Salah's not the guy. He completely blew this. He, you know, was strong and thought, and, and he. if you watch Hard Knocks, he was like going through hero worship. And I went back and I watched some of those episodes of Hard Knocks. I've got it. I downloaded it uh, on Prime, and I have it there. So every now and then, I'll just when I have nothing going on, I'll kind of stream through that. And you know, when he's going off, we're going. That's how a guy throws a football. Boy, that's how that's how a Hall of Famer does it. And he's just giggly. He's like giddy. He's like a he's like a a, a girl that was finally asked to the prom by the the football captain. And, oh, that's how he does. Look at him. Watch him walk. Oh, that's how he dresses. I mean, just it was almost like hero worship. And he got himself too far out over the skis and got too too excited about it. And then when Rodgers went down, it was like everything was lost. Everything was lost. And there was a lot of people that felt that he wasn't a strong enough head coach to rally that group and to actually keep them relevant when only a year ago they were one of the best defensive in the, defenses in the National Football League. So I – and, and – I, I, I think it is ironic that the guys that Rodgers loves, and I'm getting more and more and more of a sense of this, are the guys that kind of kissed his ass, that had that hero worship of him. 
and Getze and him got along, and they were they kind of connected on the same level, and so did Nathaniel Hackett. And but when they go out on their own, they're not much. They haven't done much. You know, he they're not they're not they haven't done much on their own. Uh, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Paul says, "What about Caleb Williams and Harbaugh? Would be an interesting match." Williams paints his nails and cries after losses. Chicago media would eat him up. I think that is one of the only guys that. Uh, let me say this about Caleb Williams. I think he's a tremendous talent. He he's by far the best talented quarterback in the draft this year. I'm worried about his head. When things are good, he is all about look at me, look at me. I'll scream and yell. I'll bitch and moan about everybody else, about how great I am. I'll tell you, he he's he's the he's the prototypical of million dollar arm, ten cent head. To me, outwardly looking in. Um, but if there's anybody that can make him into something, I would say it would be Harbaugh. I would say it would be Harbaugh, and what the way he galvanizes a locker room. So. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. Don't forget, bottom of the hour, Mike Renner is going to be joining us, and we'll talk with Mike coming up here in just a little bit, uh, so stay tuned. Got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up, and it's coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. Bill Michaels Show. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Buzzard Billies and the Starlight Lounge out in La Crosse, Wisconsin on Pearl Street. And I believe if I make it uh, at a reasonable hour tonight, that's where I'm going to be. Heading over to Buzzard Billies tonight. I, uh, I am, like, salivating over their... Uh, the Wisconsin beer cheese soup, and uh, and the uh, the hush puppies that they have that are as big as meatballs. I am just I, I I've had it in my head all day since the minute I woke up. Like that's some of that good hot stick to your ribs soup that I can have tonight. Feel a little bit better, and uh, and then maybe get a beverage and uh, call it a night. I just that's that's kind of like what I'm thinking about. I mean, I'm going to be at Flipside tomorrow night. We're going to be there for the Bill Michaels huddle. Don't get me wrong, but what's going to get me through the storm? is the thought of that that incredible soup and they have a like a buffalo chicken sandwich that's just spectacular spectacular so but i don't know if i'm gonna do that i know i'm gonna do the soup tonight that's for damn sure so buzzer billy's great place right there on pearl street and across wisconsin upstairs the starlight lounge uh crafted cocktails just awesome stuff awesome stuff and i love both places so uh maybe who knows maybe you're out and about tonight in the area maybe i'll see you there who knows uh, the Titans have fired their head coach, uh, Mike Vrabel. He is now out, and they are now uh, also beginning their search for the next head coach of the Tennessee Titans. So there you go. Um, this this whole thing, this, this is the, a bizarre 
scenario that has taken place. And I normally I don't talk about other radio programs because I don't I don't like to take away from us. It's what we do. But it has become a topic, and it's the Pat McAfee show. And McAfee, God love him, he parlayed what he did. Really, it was the Hawk's Nest. Remember, it was the Hawk's Nest podcast. It started out as A.J. Hawk. And then Pat McAfee and he began to do this podcast, and then became the Pat McAfee show. And when they were approached, uh, A.J. didn't want to – A.J.'s like, pay me, but I don't want to be the head of all of this. I don't want to be responsible for all this. And McAfee's such an outstanding personality to begin with. He's a little bit nuts, but he's parlayed himself into an amazing position. And then they do FanDuel. And I remember, Grant, three years ago we were at Super Bowl. And I think it was, I don't, it wasn't San Francisco. I can't, I think it was LA. We're in LA and the McAfee set, McAfee had burst onto the scene and FanDuel then comes out with that. What was, what was the contract? It was like 10 million or a hundred million dollars or whatever the hell it was, 10 million a year or something like that. It was crazy money. It was something. It was a lot of money. It was yeah. crazy. Uh, and it was all for a YouTube channel broadcast. And it, it, it went through the roof. I just remember that he actually, they, they let a crowd of people in around his stage to cheer when they were on the air. And normally Radio Row, that's not like that. You don't have a ton of cheering going on. You don't have fans that are there to see the show. But they did it. They allowed it. And they had the biggest stage. It, it was basically a mobile television studio. It was huge, huge. And then last year, there was FanDuel, and then next to them, with the uh, Ross Tucker podcast and all the other podcasts that they pay for, DraftKings, and they were battling last year to who have, would have the biggest stage and the brightest lights and the loudest crowds, and McAfee, their stage was a little bit smaller than FanDuel, uh, but you kind of knew something was in the works and you knew that he was going to be going to ESPN. And then the word came out that, you know, Hey, he's going to be signing a deal and he's going to become part of the ESPN family. So when he went to ESPN, everybody said, well, is it still going to be the same show? And it's not, it's uh, it's not the, the language and it's not the MFers and all that kind of stuff. It's not that, that they used to drop continuously, but it's still a good show, but it's very ESPN centric. Okay. We all know that. And ESPN, which is their parent company, company is Disney and ABC and all that. We all we all know, okay? We I'm not going to go down that path of what Disney and such is all about. But you kind of wondered where that would put McAfee. Well, then the Rodgers thing with Kimmel heated up. Rodgers drops his, his Jimmy Kimmel thing. And I don't know if Jimmy Kimmel is or isn't on the list uh, for the whole Epstein Island. Because uh, if you go by social media, he's on the list. And if you go by what's talked about out in the more, I want to call it the legitimate publications, they say he's not. So I don't know. I don't know who's lying. And I really don't care, to be honest with you. But this whole thing heated up when Rogers said, when the list comes out, Jimmy Kimmel, because he's got a feud with Jimmy Kimmel, uh, better watch it. Now, Jimmy Kimmel then fires back and the whole thing. Well, then ESPN has McAfee apologize for Rogers which is unheard of because usually a host, you're not responsible for what the guests say. Like if we just had 
somebody on the air with us, and they dropped a bunch of F-bombs just like, it's not my fault. All we did was hit the dump button. I'm not going to come out and apologize for it. I mean, I probably would as a concerned citizen, so to speak, but I don't. I wouldn't, you know, I didn't do it. But this whole thing has blown up to where you've got McAfee now basically calling out executives at ESPN for sabotaging his own show, saying we love ESPN, we love the platform, we love the people that are here, blah, 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 except for – uh, this guy named Norby's, whatever his name is, who is one of the uh, vice executives, so to speak, uh, at ESPN. He's ripping this guy publicly. Uh, in the meantime, he's taking picture with Norby's boss, and uh, Norby's boss is giving him the thumbs up, basically to say, you know, hey, f you, we, you don't, I don't need you. You mean nothing to me. And I, again, I give him credit because he's very much in your face and he says it as it is, but he's got the power. Because he can always take his stuff back to YouTube. He can always go back with, you know, FanDuel and say, I'll go back to my original deal and I'll never, ever darken your door with ESPN again. But ESPN's kind of built their station now and some of their personality and their faces around what is going to be the future, uh, which is going to be Pat McAfee. And then today, Rogers is on going off and reading letters ex- from executives at ESPN that are scolding him and going off on Fauci again and this and that. It's like, what the hell? This thing's just gone down some kind of a crazy rabbit hole, man. So anyway, uh, I know people are asking me to talk about it and everything. It's like, look, that the, the bottom line is we're all talking about it. We're all talking about what's going on over there, and they love it. And the old adage in this business is any publicity is good publicity. You know? Any publicity is good publicity. So I don't, I don't watch McAfee. I'll get some snippets from his show every now and then, but beyond that, and when Rogers is on, I really don't care. I don't watch it. It's not even on in my studio. But it's it's the whole dynamic of what's going on back and forth. And and I'll be honest, Pat McAfee owes a lot to a lot of his career and what he's done to Rogers because when Rogers started going on there is when McAfee took off. It really got it really got big. So anyway. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. Mike Renner, uh, going to be joining us coming up uh, on, uh, the bottom of the hour. And, uh, we're going to talk with Mike, uh, about, you know, the, the draft and we'll talk about uh, the NFL season and such. Hang in there. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. to have you back the bill michael show we continue on glad you're on board with us today bringing our guy mike renner from the messenger and underdog fantasy joining us on the hotline mike how you doing today doing fantastic thanks for having me on bill glad to have you hey uh i didn't think we would be here with the green bay packers heading to dallas uh, in the postseason give me your thoughts on what green bay has done down the stretch and how much different they look now as opposed to that you know early midpoint of the season when they just seem to be foundering yeah, I mean, it looks like a completely different team in just a number of different ways. Whether it's Jordan Love himself, you know, the last seven or eight games looks like a completely different guy than we saw probably the first five weeks of the season. Whether it's this receiving core where Jaden Reed, I don't even think looks like a rookie anymore. I mean, he looks like a seasoned vet. He looks like a true number one the way he's playing out there. Or whether it's his offensive line that, you know, basically shut down the Bears' pass rush. I know the Bears' pass rush isn't anything good, but, like, they – 
this wasn't an offensive line that without David Bakhtiari, you saw, and, you know, with LT Jenkins banged up too here towards the end of the season, you thought would be capable of doing something like that. So uh, for a lot of different reasons, I do think it's very encouraging sign because the arrow really only points up from here, right? These are all, all guys that you're relying on who are so early on in their careers that you can only think that it's going to get better from here. I don't think – look, if I'm going to sit here and bet my house, I'm not betting my house for the Packers to win. But it would not be out of the realm of possibility to throw down 50 bucks on the Packers to get a win this weekend in Dallas because, one, I, turnovers obviously can dictate the outcome of the game. But, two, the Packers are playing so well. I just don't know if I should buy in to what the defense is selling me over the last two weeks because it is now a different Joe Barry defense where they're doing more, they're stunning more, they're blitzing more, they're playing more man up. Uh, I, I don't – tell me why I should believe in the Packers going into Dallas this weekend. Well, I think it's from all the reasons I've outlined. Is I think they can put up points on this Dallas defense. And now, you know, Micah Parsons is a little bit different animal from what anyone was throwing out there in Chicago and what they've seen really this entire season. But I still give this offense a good chance of moving the ball. And, and you've seen the kind of Jekyll and Hyde offense of the Cowboys this year. They've had games where they've just gone in the tank and looked like they can't move it. So – uh, I, I do think that there's optimism, especially, like I said, on the offside of the ball. I do, though, worry about the defense. I, I do think that the secondary still has issues that, and that a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, obviously, was probably going to be a finished set the top three MVP candidate. A better quarterback will probably be able to pick them apart a little bit more. Do you think the Packers go back uh, with, with a healthy Jair coming back and looking decent last week? And really, we talked about it earlier. Nobody called his name or number or anything. It's because he did his job. Is that the guy that I would just say, hey, C.D. Lamb, wherever he goes, if he goes to the bathroom, you go with him? I think you have to do that. Lamb's too good. Uh, I think they did a little bit of that with C.J. Moore this past week. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but it followed him around. Because when you have a guy to that degree, you just can't risk putting him on who they're throwing out at corner number two and corner number three right now because that just could lead to a big play. And, you know, Joe Barry knows that, and that's why he's played so much sort of soft zone keeping these corners way off just so that they don't give up those big plays. But I think you can't, you can't do that with a quarterback like Dak Prescott. He'll pick you apart. He's too good, too consistent underneath that they'll just methodically move the ball down the football field. So you've got to challenge these guys a little bit. And the only guy I trust to challenge D.D. Lamb in that secondary right now is Jair Alexander. The, uh, the defensive front, I don't know if they've got enough to consistently pressure Dak Prescott. I know lately they've been playing much better. Uh, I've always liked it when you've had four and five guys, a rotation of beef up front that can wear on offensive lines and continue to uh, to get after the uh, the passer. But that offensive line of Dallas is still pretty good. Even though they don't run the ball with Tony Pollard very well, they're still a pretty good offensive line, right? Yeah, it's a very good offensive line, especially in pass protection. And that's why they can do a lot of the stuff they do in the drop back passing game. But I, I think this interior, the guys I'm watching is you know Carl Brooks, Devontae Wyatt, second half of the season. Last few games, they're they're getting pressure as much as Kenny Clark's getting pressure, seemingly. So I think the interior pressure could really be how this defense sort of flips the script and surprises people. It's what they can do from that perspective. And if they're and if you're going to blitz, bring Quay Walker on the blitz in this game is, is one game to do it because you need to get pressure on Dak Prescott to win this game. The uh, Jordan Love you had mentioned uh, when we were talking about him about how well he's playing coming into this postseason. I, you know, I, I go back to the midpoint of the season when things weren't really looking very good. What have you seen different between this offense now and that offense then that maybe flipped the switch for this team? It's a good question because I think it's a lot of it's the receiving core. And guys like Jaden Reed, 
just becoming more comfortable and, and basically being where they're supposed to be. I think a lot of their struggles early on the season was, you know, Jordan Love not on quite the same page, and then it leads to one incompletion, and that ends to, you know, killing a drive. And I think you're not seeing those mental mistakes nearly as much the past handful of weeks. And you're seeing guys make plays at the catch point. Early on the season, there was just a ton of opportunities just missed that they're taking advantage of now, and more, more and more week in and week out. So I think that's the biggest thing uh, is just the comfort level and sort of the cohesion that you see between the receivers and Jordan Love. Uh, and then it just makes Jordan Love look more confident, more comfortable when that's the case. We've got a lot of good matchups coming up this weekend. I do have to talk a little bit about Philadelphia, though. God, what happened to them down the stretch? Did they just lose their identity? and just I've equated this to when you try to run in quicksand and you can't because you just keep sinking no matter how hard you try. Yeah, they really kind of – one, their linebacking core is a completely different linebacking core than it was a year ago. I think their linebackers are really lost, and they're playing a defense right now that's kind of reliant on them to make up space over the middle of the field. So they're putting them in positions where they're kind of impact players, where they're not good. When you don't have good linebackers, the best thing you can do with them is just blitz them and let, and let them come attack the passer because they, they can't give up big plays that way when that's the case. So they're just trying to let their front four get after it on their own, and the front four is not getting home the way it was a year ago. And so it's leaving just a lot more holes in the zone defense that they're playing behind it than ever before. So pretty much everything's going wrong there in Philadelphia. And that's, you know, that's the way of the world when you lose coordinators that they lost, Jonathan Gannon, Shane Steichen. There's a reason those guys exceeded expectations at their first stops here is because those were darn good coordinators. And there's really no replacing the value of a good coach in today's NFL. Yeah, I remember last year we're sitting there talking about Philadelphia and setting the all-time sacks record. And this year they, they're not even putting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks consistently. It's been such a drastically fall. Uh, it's not been like a fall off. I mean, it's just like off the cliff compared to what they were last year. I completely agree with you. What is the more intriguing matchups for you this coming weekend? Gosh, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Uh, I, I do just think C.J. Stroud in his very first playoff matchup um, – against what is, in my opinion, the most ferocious defense in the NFL. Maybe it's not the best defense in the NFL, but on a play-for-play basis, they bring the heat to you better than everyone else. Like, they play more man coverage than anyone else in the NFL on the outside. They have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. So it is a trial by fire there in C.J. Stroud in his very first playoff start. I just want to see what he looks like. So I think that's a really intriguing matchup. Obviously, the Packers-Cowboys is an awesome matchup. Then also Dolphins-Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are almost in the exact same situation as the Eagles and that this just doesn't look like a Patrick Mahomes-led offense. It doesn't look like anything we've come to expect from the Kansas City Chiefs with Mahomes and Andy Reid. But also the Miami Dolphins haven't quite looked like the Miami Dolphins that they were at the beginning of this season offensively. So two teams kind of trending the wrong direction right now. Can either of them pull it out? And did I read correctly that, that Kansas City, it's going to be like 9 degrees or minus 9 degrees or something like that this weekend? It's going to be cold all throughout the Midwest here this weekend, so I'm yeah. pretty much looking forward to that. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's, you know, if, if I'm Kansas City, that's, now granted, they've had a lot of problems with guys catching passes, no doubt, but that's one of the things that if I'm Kansas City, I'm kind of looking forward to. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be on Sunday, it's going to be uh, 13 degrees here. And it's going to be even cooler in Kansas City. So Kansas City, nine degrees in Kansas City coming up 
on uh, on Sunday. So, it, I mean, at least you got that going for you, playing the Dolphins in that, that cold weather, without a doubt. Uh, before I let you go, I, I got to ask you now, we've got two teams both waiting a week before they play again, Baltimore and San Francisco. San Francisco seemed to, st- you know, kind of stub their toe a little bit down the stretch, but give me your thoughts on Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson both heading into the postseason as the top seeds. I think this Baltimore Ravens team is they're going to be tough to beat. They, they just, you got to play a perfect game to beat them. They are, they're the most complete team in the NFL. And then Lamar Jackson just poses so many problems from a game planning perspective that uh, you just don't want to have to deal with his defense coordinator. So, and then the flip side of the ball, obviously, San Francisco 49ers, it's not really Brock Purdy that pr- presents the problems. It's the fact that every single weapon offensively creates a problem and that, you know, you can take away Christian McCaffrey, you shut down this run game, you fine, you, that's, good then they have Debo Samuel on the outside you shut out Debo Samuel on the outside well then they got Brandon Ayuk running wild downfield and you shut down all of those guys and all of a sudden they can throw a tight end screen to George Kittle and you forget about him and he goes to the house so there's just too many weapons for the San Francisco 49ers team especially being at home only having to play two weeks I know every year now with the one seed getting the only being the only team that getting it by that we say that they have such an advantage but it would really surprise me if anyone's able to unseat these one seats this year because they're just that head and shoulders above the rest of their conferences, in my opinion. Which I feel good about. I picked Baltimore and San Francisco in the Super Bowl this year, so I, I, I look like a, a brilliant go. person going, going into the postseason. Hey, Mike, always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. We'll pick your brain again real soon. Thanks for joining us, okay? For sure, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, buddy. You can get his stuff at The Messenger, also part of Underdog Fantasy, at Mike Renner, R-E-N-N-E-R. Find Mike there. Always great to get a hold of him and talk to him. Uh, a lot of our good guys that uh, were with Pro Football Focus for a while uh, joining us on the program. Let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a lot more to get to. Don't forget, coming up after the top of the hour, Jim Ozarski of the Journal Sentinel is going to join us. We're going to talk some Bucks basketball. Mike Clemens is about, uh, about 40 minutes away, and we're going to talk with Mike a little more in depth today about this Packers team as they get ready to head into the postseason and head into uh, Dallas to take on the Cowboys down at Big D, down at Jerry World. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Stenny, second to National Walker's Point, and the new one uh, inching ever so close to opening up on Watertown Road in Pewaukee out in Lake Country. Stenny's the place to be. They run shuttles to all the games, so if you're looking for a great place to go before or after and then have them do the driving, they do the driving. That is Stenny, second to National Walker's Point, and as they say, you should be here. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show on this snowy Tuesday. Enjoying the day. Hey, if you're going to be out in the uh, lacrosse area, the West Salem area, and uh, you're going to be out shoveling a little bit, then tomorrow you get done with it, you're like, oof. You know, our friends at Big Boar Barbecue, man, they've got the barbecue, mac and cheese, coleslaw, all that stuff that stick to your ribs good. Just mmm, mmm. They do catering as well, by the way. But for lunch, for dinner, and family-owned. And uh, we support a lot of the small local businesses uh, that are out there. And I don't even want to say small because they've been doing it a long time. But, uh, but the, the family-owned businesses 
and the small business owners, uh, big time. Love that place, and I know I'm going to be getting some of that stuff on the way out of town coming up tomorrow, but that's Big Boar Barbecue, uh, Big Boar Barbecue, BigBoarBBQ.com. That's BigBoarBBQ.com in West Salem, Wisconsin. Stop in and uh, say hi to everybody. Tell them we said hi because uh, I'm going to be over that way. Tell them to look for me because I'm going to be over that way uh, grabbing some stuff on the way out of town tomorrow. Um, we got uh, MZ says, no snow here in California. Got a lot of blue skies. Yeah, but it's California. I'll, I'll take a little bit of the snow and living in Wisconsin. I'm sure where you live is nice. But uh, too many train wreck stories coming out of California right now. I'll tell you that right now. Um, it is the first big snowfall of the year, so be safe. Uh, and uh, Margo, yes, I'll be safe heading out on the highway and getting the lacrosse coming up a little bit later on this evening. Tomorrow, don't forget, we're going to be a Flipside Pub and Grill from 6 to 8. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle going to be there. So uh, come on out and say hi. And by then, the weather should have lightened up a little bit. And the DPW out in that area is going to be clearing all the streets. And we're sh- we should be good to go. We're going to have some fun. And maybe come on out tomorrow night and go, okay, finally I can get out of the house. So we'll be good. We'll be good tomorrow night. Looking forward to it. Coming up in the next hour, in the next couple of minutes, we're going to talk with Jim Ozarski of the Journal Sentinel. Jim is on the Bucks beat, and there's some Bucks chatter right now. Uh, this team is not not playing good good basketball. Uh, you've got Giannis saying that everybody needs to be better, including the equipment manager who needs to wash our clothes better. Um, everybody right now is under the magnifying glass in the Bucks organization. And the question that's being asked more often than not is – if things continue to go bad and it's not coming together, does Adrian Griffin survive the season? So we'll ask Jim about that coming up here after the top of the hour. And then, uh, don't forget, we're going to talk with our guy Mike Clemens. Mike's going to be joining us uh, the bottom half uh, of the next hour. And Mike is in Green Bay. We'll talk with Mike about everything going on behind the scenes uh, up at 1265. As the Packers off today, back at it tomorrow, getting ready for the Wild Card Weekend coming up in Dallas. And a reminder regarding that, we're going to be live down at uh, uh, Nice Ash at 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha, coming up on Sunday. we got a watch party. So if you want to be a part of the program, you want to come out and say hi, please feel free to go ahead and do so. We'd love to have you on board. Uh, we're going to do the Green and Gold postgame show live from there after the game as well. We'll get your thoughts and reactions and such. But uh, Green and Gold watch party, just come on down, enjoy yourself, sit, relax, take a load off. And hopefully the Packers uh, give us some things to be really excited about coming up on Sunday. But uh, we're going to be doing the watch party down there. So we'll talk with Mike coming up here in about a uh, about a half an hour. And we'll talk with him about uh, what's going on up in Green Bay and his thoughts on everything from injuries to the direction and spirits and such of the team and the excitement getting ready to head down to Jerry World coming up on Sunday. So all of that still, still to unpack in the next hour. Stay right where you're at. Don't go a damn place. Stay right here. We got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next.